Support for Alleist comes from Visual Communications, presenting VC Film Fest, celebrating 40 years of Asian and Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander filmmaking, with over 200 films May 1st through 10th. Info at festival.vcmedia.org. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for Alleist's new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We Are Where We Eat will go behind the scenes of LA restaurants. The kickoff event is May 22nd. Tickets at alleist.com slash events. Hey, what's up? I'm Marcos Trinidad, and this is Human Nature. Every week, we'll get out into the nature of your neighborhood with the help of people who see the world a little differently. Today, a story about rediscovery. So we're right on a cliff with beautiful vegetation. You could see the ocean, there's ships. We have uh, Dr. Jenna Johnson, who is driving behind us with a trunk full of butterflies. Featuring a butterfly, the Palos Verdes Blue, a species considered one of the rarest in the world, and how it came back from the brink of extinction. So enjoy the day, enjoy the view, and enjoy the fact that you are releasing something that was extinct for 11 years. This story begins with a conservationist named Rick Rogers. I am a professional entomologist, and I do preservation of endangered species. On the morning of March 10, 1994, Rick got a call from a butterfly expert named Rudy Matoni, inviting him to go out on a little field trip. He called me and said, would you like to join me in San Pedro at this uh, naval fuel depot? He said, just bring your net and let's look for whatever's there. Now, let me stop here to say, you're going to hear a lot about Rudy Matoni in this episode. Sadly, Rudy died earlier this year. But according to Rick and the whole conservationist community, he was a world-class entomologist and plays a starring role in this story. Rick and Rudy got their insect nets and they drove together out to San Pedro. The habitat is sort of sloping low hills with roads connecting the areas. It's coastal sage scrub, which means there's a lot of prickly pear cactus. And right away? We stopped the car, got out, and we all had butterfly nets. They saw something. And I saw a blue butterfly almost immediately. A little blue butterfly fluttering around. And I didn't see which one it was because it looked like a blue flash flying real fast. But I said, oh, look, Rudy, there's a blue butterfly. In a few seconds after netting the butterfly, he said, do you know what this is? And he started yelling, this is the Palos Verdes blue you found. And, uh, and I knew instantly by his, uh, the sound of his voice that it was a major, major, major thing. The reason catching this particular butterfly was so major is because for years and years, over a decade, the Palos Verdes blue butterfly was believed to be extinct. After the break, how the butterfly disappeared and how it came back from the brink. Support comes from Visual Communications, presenting VC Film Fest, celebrating 40 years showcasing Asian and Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander filmmaking, featuring over 200 works ranging from narrative film, documentary films, photo exhibits, and new media. 
VC Film Fest honors our beloved elder cultural workers, linking them to present and emerging artists to empower communities and challenge perspectives. May 1st through 10th in Little Tokyo and in Long Beach. Info at festival.vcmedia.org. Alaist has a new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We Are Where We Eat will go behind the scenes of some of your favorite LA restaurants to find out how and why they do what they do. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for the first event where we'll explore how restaurants help make a neighborhood and we'll all have something delicious to eat afterwards. It's May 22nd at the Crawford. Get your tickets now at las.com slash events. To someone who is not an entomologist, a Palos Verdes blue butterfly, also known as the PV blue, looks like any other blue butterfly. It's iridescent blue, sort of like a morpho, but much, much smaller, about the size of a postage stamp. The thing is, the only place on Earth you can find this one butterfly is around the Palos Verdes Peninsula. And until that fateful day in 1994, the last person to actually record seeing the PV Blue in the wild. I'm Jess Morton. I'm with the Palos Verde South Bay Audubon Society. Was a man named Jess Morton. My producer, Caroline Champlin, spoke with Jess about the final days of the PV Blue. Do you remember the first time that you ever saw a Palos Verdes blue butterfly? Uh, yes, I can, and that would have been 1982. That was uh, a trip onto the Palos Verdes Peninsula. I went out with Rudy Matoni. Uh, I wanted to see the Palos Verdes blue butterfly because that was an endangered species. And... Uh, we explored uh, one of the two historic sites that were remaining and found butterflies there, and those were certainly the first ones I saw. And then disaster happened, as disasters do to very limited populations of creatures of any sort. Uh, when you have a species that is uh, has a very limited range and a very small number of individuals in it, it is highly vulnerable. And in this case, it was a combination of terrible weather, it was fire clearance, it was the conversion of the main habitat to a baseball diamond that uh, did them in. And uh, when we ran our count in 1983, we found none. And I was I got out on the hillsides a couple of weeks later and came across a new location that had butterflies. But I saw three one weekend and three the next. And I did get some photographs that of that last group. But those were the last ones. By 1985, the Palos Verdes blue butterfly was considered totally extinct. Until... I got this call one evening from his deep, gravelly voice that Rudy had. He just said, guess what I saw today? (laughs) And I knew he'd been looking at this location. I said, you didn't. And he said, oh, yes, I did. (laughs) You want to come take a look? So the next day I got out and took my camera along and got a photograph of the rediscovered the Palos Verdes blue butterfly. It was a delight. 
As soon as Jess got that call that the butterfly still existed, he sprang into action. As it happened, I was also the editor of our newsletter for the Audubon Society and had an issue going to press that day. So I rushed to get a print of the of the butterfly's photograph and we managed to get that through the presses the next day and out in the mail to, to our membership. So we had first publicity on the butterfly. But it was useful to, to do that too because it makes people aware that a place like Los Angeles, which is this enormous urban sprawl, has extremely rare animals within its city limits. Um, and that's, it's an eye-opener for people, particularly young people who are quite concerned about the environment and are interested in doing something about it that could make a difference. Jess says the unique thing about this species and the secret to protecting it lies in the way that the butterfly becomes a butterfly. I presume you have an idea of the life cycle. We mostly think of a butterfly as something with wings, but the animal is one that lives for a year, and the winged phase of that adult is about five or six days, if they're lucky. (laughs) Most of the time, they're either as an egg or they're on a larva feeding on a plant or they're spend something like eight months in the ground as a pupa at the base of the plant. The preferred food source for the Palos Verdes Blue is deerweed. It's a small scraggly bush with yellow flowers. Adult PV blues lay their eggs on the unopened deerweed flowers. The eggs turn into hungry little larvae, which then turn into pupas. The pupas then drop into the mulch at the base of the plant. And here's the crazy thing. They can stay like that for years. They stay in pupa form until the conditions are just right. When that happens, they hatch, they fly off to mate, and lay more eggs. So, those changes happening on the Palos Verdes Peninsula in the early 80s? Terrible weather, was fire clearance, it was the conversion of the main habitat to a baseball diamond. The drought and destruction of their favorite food, the deerweed made it really hard for the PV Blue to survive. Luckily, after Jess published the Audubon newsletter about the extinct butterfly rising from the dead, he and Rudy had help. We had a very strong volunteer effort to do some habitat improvement at the defense fuel supply point in removing a lot of ice plant that was on the property, overrunning a lot of the food plant for the butterflies. One day, early in the, it was probably 95, we were up there looking down on the sea of people. We had 250 volunteers that showed up. That was quite a sight. Obviously, restoring native habitat is important. But Jess says the key to protecting the PV blue and other endangered species might be in changing our mindset. I think people have to understand much more about how nature works and how human societies interact with that. 
One thing would be to go and sit on a hillside for a while, turn the radio off, shut off the cell phone, <laughs> and look at the sea or look at the ground, look at a tree, and watch it and see that almost nothing will seem to happen. But if you think about what was this ground I was sitting on a hundred years ago? What will it look like a hundred years from now? Try to use your imagination. There were breezes and there were grass. A fox ran over it. Perhaps a hawk flew overhead. And there were people that were living in the area and somebody came down and sat down close to there and looked at the sea. The disappearance of that butterfly in many ways doesn't change anything. It's such a small creature. And yet it is indicative of perhaps what this planet is as a whole. When you think of the universe, <laughs> I'm not sure this little planet that we're on is a whole lot more meaningful than that butterfly. Hard to say. After the break, we'll head out into the field to release some of the rarest butterflies on Earth. Support comes from Visual Communications, presenting VC Film Fest, celebrating 40 years showcasing Asian and Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander filmmaking, featuring over 200 works ranging from narrative film, documentary films, photo exhibits, and new media. VC Film Fest honors our beloved elder cultural workers, linking them to present and emerging artists to empower communities and challenge perspectives. May 1st through 10th in Little Tokyo and in Long Beach. Info at festival.vcmedia.org. Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, and we are back for another round. This is clearly an NPR audience. (laughs) I think they're so smart. What the hell? My guests this time are actor Vela Lavelle and author Amanda Montel, whose new book, The Age of Magical Overthinking, is out now. Join us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum for book talk, trivia, and hot takes. Tickets can be found at laist.com slash events. It's been almost 30 years since the Palos Verdes blue butterfly was rediscovered, hanging on from the brink of extinction. And when biologists realized that they had a second shot at keeping it alive, they got to work. Dr. Jana Johnson, or Dr. J, is a professor at Moorpark College who set up the program to raise them in captivity. Those butterflies are descended from the ones discovered by Rick and Rudy all those years ago. And a couple of times a year in the spring, they get released back into the wild. My producer Caroline and I got to tag along with Dr. Che on one of those releases. We met up at a secret location in Rancho Palos Verdes. It's a hillside reserve, protected and restored by the Palos Verdes Peninsula Land Conservancy, 
a partner on the recovery program. The place is filled with wildflowers on a busy street between restaurants and homes. Dr. J pulled up to the site and opened up the trunk of her white SUV. Inside there was a box and a cooler filled with dozens and dozens of butterflies. We have a potted plant that's inside. If you look from this side, you can kind of see it. You'll see it better when we take it out. Um, but look at all those. Do you see all oh, those butterflies? Oh, they're so cool. Yeah. Is it a mix of male and female? It is a mix of males and females. Dr. J and her team raise about two or 3,000 butterflies every year. Which gives us enough that we can release all life stages and let nature figure out who's going to stay. She's driving down the trail with her AC blasting, keeping these butterflies cool until it's time for their release. She has her eyes peeled for the perfect location to set these babies free. We have enough processing cups that if everybody wants to release a butterfly, they can. So this is usually like the highlight. Um, I like these plants. I've got a lot of flowers on them. This is perfect. They should mate. They should be happy. I'm going to demonstrate how to do it because I just need you to do it in that manner. Does that make sense? Dr. J picks up one of the tiny cups from the cooler. It kind of resembles a hospital dessert cup, but inside is a single fluttering butterfly. So this is a processing container and you can see the iridescent blue because that's prismatic color from the scales on his wings. It's kind of like the blue of a hummingbird. Oh, he's getting active. So what we're gonna do, we don't wanna leave him in the sun too long. You can use your body to shade him. So I'm holding him by the side and then I'm gonna use my thumbs to crack the top open. And then once I open it, he's just going to leave. You can see the color of his wings, which is this beautiful, glorious blue all the way to the edge that says male. Uh, behaviorally, they're different as well. So the boys are going to patrol for females. So their way to maximize their biological fitness, which is their genes in the next generation, is to mate with as many females as they can convince to mate with them. Well, he found a nice shady yeah. spot, and he I think he's waiting for the females. Well, let's get some females <laughs> out to him then. The reason the sex of the butterfly is so important is because in order to make a difference for the species, they actually need a mate out here. Okay, so now I have a processing container with a female in it, and I'm about to release on this deer weed, so I'm going to crouch down a little bit. There she goes. Opposite direction of the male. You know, some love is just not meant to happen. After spending about 10 minutes releasing butterflies at this location, we head off to the second site. What we don't want to do is over-concentrate any one point because the predators are smart. They're They'll gonna see, a buffet. see that buffet. <laughs> so we're gonna make them so work for it. We are. According to Dr. J, blue butterfly predators are basically everything. Birds eat them, so do mammals and reptiles. Even a strong breeze will do them in. In order to give the young butterflies a fighting chance at love, Dr. J's team will spread them across the landscape. Okay, you guys ready? Okay, come grab a cup. Oh, oh, check them out. Yeah. I think 
They found love. They are. That's amazing, right there. Yeah, so that's yeah, what nice. you just watched when you watched them do the courtship. They're mating right there. Mated oh, pair. Maybe? He will also reach back with his um, hindmost pair of legs and stroke her, which I just think is sweet. He's just like, it's okay, sweetie. <laughs> That's our first free mating this season. So, well, yeah. cheers! That's awesome. So it works. Perfect. It works. <laughs> so yeah, within like a 25 foot radius, we have four mating pairs. Of endangered butterflies. Of endangered butterflies. It is believed that there are only about a hundred of the species left in the wild. If you live in the South Bay and you want to help keep the populations thriving, plant deerweed, plant rattle pod. These are the host plants that will attract them. More information about that and habitat restoration volunteer opportunities can be found on the Palos Verdes Peninsula Land Conservancy website, pvplc.org. And if you live elsewhere, you can benefit butterflies. Just plant natives wherever you can and research the ones that attract butterflies in your area. And now, without further ado, an original song by Rick Rogers, one of the two to rediscover the elusive Palos Verdes Blue Butterfly. Okay, um, I think I have to have my wife help me with this. Sharon, maybe you have to hold this over like so, because, okay, alrighty. So this is called Buzzing Along with the Bees. And uh, it goes like this. You see the dancing flies in the skies, butterflies flutter by, looking up at the trees, buzzing along with the bees. A click beetle click does the trick, so does the shape of the walking stick, looking up at the trees. Human Nature is hosted by Marcos Trinidad. Antonia Cerejito and Leo G are the executive producers for LAS Studios. Production by Carla Javier and me, Caroline Champlin. Story editing was done by Kelly Prime. Mixing and engineering by Parker McDaniels. The music is composed by X Manana. And Doris Anahi Munoz is the music supervisor. The marketing team of LAS Studios created our branding, with art by Christine Tyler Hill. Thank you to Taylor Kaufman, Sabir Brara, Kristen Hayford, Kristen Muller, Andy Orozco, Michael Cosentino, Neha Sheda, and Fiona Ng. Human Nature is a production of LAS Studios. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. That's all for this episode of Human Nature. We'll see you next week. Buzzing along with a, buzzing along with a, buzzing along with a bees. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.